Hey, everybody, welcome into the Action Sports Jacks Pile On podcast brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman. Hockey is back in Jacks. This is Brent Morneau and no Dan Hicken. I have suspended him for his constant talk of The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever it is. We are not discussing it anymore, at least not this week. There's too much going on in the world of sports. All right, actually, I didn't suspend him. He's on vacation. Like somewhere on a boat somewhere or a cruise or uh, somewhere in the ocean. I don't know what he's doing, but I just had a bad visual hicking in a bathing suit. So I'm going to move on. Let's talk some sports, and we'll get to the Jags free agency in just a moment. Also a little golf in Tiger Woods, which has been uh, pretty unreal as of late. I want to begin with the NCAA tournament, and wow, what an opening weekend. The first couple of rounds, Thursday all the way through Sunday, from UMBC in the first ever 16 seed to beat a one. Arizona out early. Xavier ends up out. Florida State alive. Now you can go on and on. I don't have to tell you about it. If you have a bracket, it's been busted. And if you it hasn't been busted, well, you are lucky and must have flipped a coin because nobody could have predicted the way this thing went down the last few days. And you know what? I think that's fantastic. That's that's what it's all about. That's what they call March Madness. And um, I love this tournament because you have schools like Nevada, schools like UMBC, having an unbelievable moment, a moment that we all will never forget as a 16 beat the one in Virginia. Uh, I think, uh, by the way, in that Virginia loss, what incredible class shown by the head coach of Virginia, Tony Bennett. If you haven't seen it, you've got to go check it out. Uh, really good stuff from the head coach in a, in a tough loss, an historic loss for his program. But UMBC was such a cool story. Nevada, uh, Kentucky's a five seed, and they're the highest seed in that south bracket. Uh, so it's very interesting. Now Kansas State will have a chance as well to get to the Elite Eight. Uh, and, and you really go around. Now, the right side of the bracket, if you look, um, if you're looking at it, I just call it the right side of the bracket, there's a lot more chalk over there. The ones and twos and threes and fours and fives um, are still kind of alive. But, uh, boy, the left side of the bracket, especially in the south, and now you have Florida State as a nine, and they will play Gonzaga as a four, and Gonzaga just barely uh, escaped the last couple of games, their first couple of games. UNC goes out, Texas A&M, all of a sudden look out for Texas A&M. And then there's Michigan, who I think is really a sleeper three seed. Uh, Michigan did not get a lot of love all season long. They've got a fantastic coach, and now they are into the Sweet 16. So overall, I just wanted to touch on the tournament real quick. Florida State, hats off to them. Leonard Hamilton, you know, we, we really give Leonard a hard time about uh, what they've accomplished at Florida State and all these things. He does have talent just about every year, and now a run into the Sweet 16. This might be his best coaching job ever. It's probably his biggest win ever that went over Xavier on Sunday night, and it might be one of the biggest wins in Florida State program history. So hats off to Leonard Hamilton. Hats off to Florida State. And do I think they can make it to the Final Four? Well, not really, but what does that matter? How can anybody of us predict what's about to happen in these next couple of days in the NCAA tournament? We've been pretty awful at predicting it the first few days, and I, I don't know if any of the madness will stop. Uh, we will see if Florida State can beat Gonzaga. Keep in mind, they have tremendous athletes on Florida State, so they can match up with a lot of people. They just have to execute. Gonzaga is so good because they've been there so much in the past, and I think he is one of the best coaches in the country 
in Mark Few. One little uh, wrap-up of the Florida Gators program. I think we said it all year long. Every time we would talk about it, I think everybody knows inconsistency, the best word. But I really believe this will go down as one of the most bizarre basketball seasons I've ever seen. Front to back from a program. You had them or not just you, me, everybody, had them penciled in maybe to the Final Four after the first couple weeks of the season. Then we had them in the NIT after some miserable stretches. And then when it's all said and done, you look back, and they lost a lot of post-presence. So that was a tough break for Mike White's team. They changed their identity from a three-point shooting scoring team early in the year to a team that would end up playing pretty good lockdown defense. To me, that's fantastic coaching to be able to change your identity in the course of the year and especially change it to a defensive team, which is so hard to get kids to play defense in college basketball or at any level of basketball. So hats off to Mike White for doing that. Uh, But it still was kind of a mind-boggling year because you look at the end of the day, they don't make the Sweet 16, and their resume says they were good enough to beat just about anybody in the country. Uh, some of their, their key losses were to a lot of the teams that are in the tournament. Their resume was really good RPI-wise, those quadrant wins they now talk about. So fascinating year for Florida basketball. Never really was quite sure what to make of the Gators. I think the head coach, Mike White, kind of felt that way at times. I think the Gators fan base felt that way at times. Uh, in the end, it's a season that uh, falls a little short of the Sweet 16 for the Gators. Good luck in your bracket. I uh, hope it will be a fun couple of weeks in the NCAA tournament. And at this rate, we might get one heck of a surprise Final Four and National Champ, although some blue bloods still remain again on that right side of the bracket uh, with the Villanovas, uh, the Kansases, the Dukes. Uh, Purdue is an interesting one to watch um, on that right side as well. But uh, Kentucky, too, as a five seed, even though they're not a one or a two, uh, definitely a blue blood for sure. All right, from college hoops to the NFL. What a week for the Jacksonville Jaguars it feels like. I thought this would be a quiet week for the Jags on so many levels. I did not think they would make a splash play in free agency. I guess I thought they would sign some B-list free agents, if you will, Uh, And I think they did that to a degree, but they did have the splash guy and and a couple of surprises here and there. And just the volume of how active they were did surprise me a bit coming off that bid in the AFC championship game. So let's begin with the biggest signing of them all. Andrew Norwell, biggest in terms of dollars, biggest in terms of size. He's a big fella, arguably the best lineman in free agency, definitely the best guard in free agency. The Jags might have got the best player in free agency. According to some rankings, he is right up in the top three, top five. So really a good play by the Jags. And I have no idea, I shouldn't say I have no idea, I don't, my read on this is I don't think this was all right, we are going after this guy from minute one of free agency. I think it kind of played out that way because the Jags were involved with Allen Robinson. They were involved with Sammy Watkins. They were looking into getting Blake Bortles' weapons and more weapons on that offense. And it's a deep draft when it comes to offensive linemen this year. So even picking 29, you can go get yourself a good player late in the first round or maybe even later in the second round. So I don't necessarily think that Norwell was – Man, we got to go have this guy. Kind of like Calais Campbell was last year. I think A.J. Boye was like that last year. I think we've seen that recently. Malik Jackson a couple years ago. Even Julius Thomas a few years ago. I don't think it was that kind of play. But I think here's how it went down. Allen Robinson dollars were way higher than the Jags wanted to pay. And I'll get into that more in a moment. Sammy Watkins. 
16 million a year. They were not going there with Sammy Watkins. I think Marquise Lee, which I'll also get to in a moment, was always in the plans, but they wanted to couple that with another big play, and A-Rob, Watkins weren't going to work out. And so I think the Jags front office did a nice job of audibling here and saying, you know what, let's turn our attention and get that offensive line as good as we can, our running game as good as we can make it, uh, because there's probably a drop-off between A-Rob, Watkins, and the rest of the receivers in free agency. We already knew that it was kind of a weak market for free agent wide receivers. And so I think they jumped on the fact to go get in there with Norwell. And I think the Giants were a big-time player for Norwell. They are hurting on the line. Their new GM was in Carolina, knows them well. There were probably a couple of other teams. San Francisco has been rumored. But the Jags threw top dollar at this Andrew Norwell guy, a guy undrafted out of Ohio State. And now all of a sudden, you like what you have in Cam Robinson, future left tackle, going into his second year. I thought he did a nice job in his rookie season. And you have Norwell well and Linder. That's a solid center to the left for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Leonard Fournette can run behind those guys. And I say solid. It's better than solid. It's really good. Norwell was an all-pro in 2017. If you go back and look at his stats, he's hardly given up a sack in his career. He's been good in the run game. He went to the Super Bowl a couple years back with Carolina. This guy has a nice resume for an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State, and he got a big payday. Pretty cool stuff. We had a chance on Thursday afternoon to sit down with the biggest signing in this free agency class for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's our conversation with Andrew Norwell. Well, welcome aboard. Yeah, uh, what's this day like for you? It's been uh, it's been a wild day. You know, started early in the morning, woke up at five thirty, grabbed some coffee, and you know, finished up some paperwork, and just uh, they picked me up at the hotel, staying on the beautiful beach, um, and uh, it's just been a first class experience. And you know, met with all the coaches, um, met with Lender. Um, it's been a great experience and uh, it's really first class and, uh, you know, get a great sense, you know, something special is going on here and that's why I came here and um, I want to be a part of this process and to win a Super Bowl. We all believe and think and kind of from the outside world, well, the dollars, you know, yeah. the dollars are big. Right. The dollars are certainly a reason to come. What was the process like for you in determining where to go? You had several teams interested. Uh, we had heard Giants and Jags, and, and there are probably some others. But dollars have to play a role in it, of course. But what else helped you through this process the last few days? Um, just um, the team and where the team's at. And, um, you know, I want to get back to the Super Bowl, and I want to win the Super Bowl. And that was a major factor. I didn't want to go on a, a team that's rebuilding or you know, trying to fix problems. I want to come, be in, uh, you know, come in, be inserted in, and ready to play, and just have fun with the guys next to me, and you know, play for those guys, and play for this organization, and just give it, you know, everything I got um, each and every Sunday, and it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Coughlin, Marone, yep. Flaherty. You think guys like that hard not to think about the trenches and the big fellas? Right. I mean, that's got to get you excited yeah. about how those guys think, right? Yep. And uh, just to learn from them guys, see, I have a lot of experience. You know, I'm a very coachable player, player and um, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, once the dust settles, you know, get back to football and just, um, you know, make an impact on the game. Do you know any of the Jags players past experience at all? I know Michael Bennett. I, I figured Bennett. I played with him in Ohio State. Um, great guy. 
and uh, I actually saw him working out in the weight room, which was uh, pretty cool. So, yep. You guys know what good is, I always say, about fellow players. Brandon Linder appears to be a good one. Cam yep. Robinson, a younger guy, but looks like he could be a good one. You're going to fit right in the middle of that. Is that exciting yeah, in itself? It. I'm looking forward to it and uh, real excited. And, um, you know, just bring, you know, my attitude and uh, toughness and just just go at it and, uh, you know, play for them guys. Um, it's a great group they have already, you know, established themselves. And I'm just looking forward to be a part of it. When you're flying in uh, yesterday and or sipping that coffee near the beach this morning, <laughs> yep. any reflections of, man, undrafted to 60-plus million-dollar contract? Yeah. When I say that, I mean, what is what kind of runs through your mind? That's a pretty awesome yeah. story. Um, you know, just a lot of hard work, you know, self-motivated. And, you know, I wasn't given, you know, the same opportunities as other guys. But when I uh, got my opportunity, you know, I made the most of it and never looked back ever since. And, you know, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And um, it's just been incredible to be, become the highest paid guard in the NFL, you know, up to this point. And, um, you know, just uh, took the brakes off and just, you know, just going straight forward 100 miles an hour. And um, whoever gets in the way, watch out. I like that. What makes you so good? I think it's so hard for us. We can pretend like we know that position, <laughs> yeah. but it's really hard. I can't tell you if you're great or not mm -hmm. because it's such a it's an interesting position in the interior. But what makes you so good? We see the stats. You don't allow many sacks. You obviously uh, want to help the run game. Yep. But what do you think is part of your game that's made you to this level right now? Just uh, um, little things. Do the, doing the little things right. Um, you know, stuff that doesn't you know require talent. You know, it just requires hard work and execution and preparation and um, just doing the little things right. Um, technique, you know, hat placement, where your hands are, your punch and everything. Just being real technician of the game and just going out every day and practicing with consistency to make me better. Last question for you. It's a lot of money. Yep. You're from Cincinnati, Ohio, undrafted, didn't get a ton of money coming out of uh, uh, the draft. You got a first purchase, something you've always wanted to do, something you dreamed um, of. What, what, are you thinking of that a little bit? I mean, it's hard not to think about that bit, money. But right now, I guess um, I'm just going to put it in the stock market. And it's doing well, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Sounds like a smart play. Yep. Hey, great to meet you, man. Thank you. Congratulations. Good yep. luck. So I love what the Jags did with Norwell and beefing up that offensive line. And I'll tell you this, don't be surprised at number 29 if they still target an offensive lineman. They have no holes glaring, at least going into the draft, and we're going to discuss that in a moment. But they can go get another offensive lineman if they wish, and there are plenty of good ones in this year's draft. So don't sleep on the fact they could do that to beef up the right side. A.J. Can. Jeremy Parnell holding it down for now, but I stress for now because I'm not convinced they won't go chase another offensive lineman later on in April. All right, let's shift focus to a couple of other players, uh, key ones. Listen, there were some special teams signing um, with Davis and with Carey and with Niles Paul, the tight end, but really a special teams guy. Not going to get too much into that, uh, but let's go on the offensive end because they beef up the offense with Austin Safarian Jenkins, just a 
25-year-old guy with a ton of upside. That was a late-in-the-day move. That was the last move they made. He visited Seattle. Things didn't go well there, at least from a money standpoint. And I think the Jags got, at least from what's reported, a pretty good dollar figure for what could be expected out of Safarian Jenkins. Still a lot to prove, but plenty of upside. He's a pass-catching tight end, so I think a good move for Dave Caldwell, Tom Coughlin, and Doug Marone and the staff to be able to pull a tight end in here and, again, kind of uh, solidify what looked to be a hole in the offense, and that was a pass-catching tight end. Remember, Mercedes Lewis is coming back for a 13th season this year for the Jags. But then the wide receiver spot, A-Rob gone. That didn't work out. Sammy Watkins, too much money. He ends up uh, going elsewhere. And then the Jags bring back Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief. Interesting. Very, very interesting to me how all this receiver stuff happened. Let me give you a little background on Allen Robinson. Robinson and the Jags tried to come to an agreement on an extension last year, right around training camp time. The Jags made a really good offer, at least what they thought. Allen Robinson... I'm not sure if they didn't think it was good enough or they wanted to wait or hold out. But one way or another, they didn't sign it. From what I've heard, it was a pretty darn good offer, not too far away from what he ended up getting with Chicago this year in free agency. But you never really know where the dollars are in a lot of these negotiations, and they never got a deal done, which is interesting because if we take us back to last summer and he's having that fantastic camp, I think a lot of us, I know I was, screaming for the Jags to sign him to an extension by Labor Day because you can just take care of that, get it off the table, and we all know he's going to be a very good player. Well, that didn't happen, but they were trying to do it. And what Allen Robinson really did is took a little bit of a gamble on himself and saying, hey, I can have a big year. Maybe I make even more money, and we'll see what happens. Well, we all know what happens. He tore his ACL in the first series of the first game in Houston, and he missed the entire year. So when negotiations resumed this offseason, the Jaguars said, hey, we offered X amount last year. But that offer has dropped because you're coming off a torn ACL and we really don't know how that's going to impact you. A lot of other teams probably felt the same way. Chicago still threw a lot of money at him. But the bottom line is the deal the Jags offered last year was higher than the one they offered this year. And it's solely because of the injury to Allen Robinson. Makes a lot of business sense from the Jags standpoint. Well, from Allen Robinson's side, he didn't like the fact that he got less money out of his control that he tore his ACL, but he would have been probably happier if he had just signed that extension last year. In the long run, it works out for Allen Robinson because Chicago throws $25 million guaranteed at him, $14 million a year, and he's happy in Chicago. And to be quite honest with you, this is my opinion only. I'm not convinced how happy Allen Robinson was in Jacksonville, although a lot of people say he was really happy in Jacksonville. I just don't know if it always looked that way um, from the outside looking in. That's neither here nor there. Good luck to Allen Robinson. I think he's a really good player. I didn't like the fact that Jags were losing a Pro Bowl wide receiver, but here's how they remedied the situation. Then Marquise Lee comes into play. Marquise Lee, earlier this week, him and his agent and the Jags come to an agreement on a four-year deal. It's uh, reportedly worth mid-30 millions. Uh, I've heard about 34 million. Initial report was 38, but it was less than that. And uh, Marquise Lee's back as a Jacksonville Jaguars player. He had no plans to come back to Jacksonville. He thought he was done because after talking to Lee on Thursday, he actually believed 
everything was on the Allen Robinson side of things. He thought it was either Lee or Robinson. Well, it turns out that the Jags really wanted to bring Marquise Lee back the entire time, whether it was Lee and Robinson or Lee and Sammy Watkins or what ended up happening is Lee and Moncrief. I find that part of it fascinating. Talk to Lee a little bit, um, and we'll hear that interview in a moment. But just a couple of other nuggets on the Marquise Lee front. He also had the Jets. He also had the Bills interested, and those offers were similar, if not the same, as the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he decides to stay with some continuity, a place that he knows, and uh, a team that he knows, and he'll now be really the veteran presence in that wide receiver room for the Jacksonville Jaguars and asked to be a leader and also probably the number one wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars receiver group. Pair that with Dante Moncrief. And this one's fascinating to me as well because Moncrief is a guy that not many people know, and myself really included, until we do some work on him the last couple of days. He's a physical receiver. Somebody in the building said to me, I watched some tape of him, and he kind of reminds me of Allen Robinson. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? The Jags already have some speed with Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook. They have Marquis Lee who can be shifty. He can do a variety of things. And what they did is said, hey, we need a physical presence at receiver. And... They signed Dante Moncrief to a show-me deal, but a show-me kind of deal that says they also believe in him because this deal is upwards of around $9 million. That's kind of a lot for a show-me deal, um, and I kind of like it because it reminds me of the Senderic Marks deal that they made a few years back. I think it was a one-year deal uh, coming out of Tennessee, and later that year, the Jags were so impressed with Senderic Marks that they signed him to an extension. So could we see the same thing with Moncrief? Who knows? He has 18 touchdowns in his career, so he is able to get the ball in the end zone. He's a physical receiver, and I think he has upside, but I also think he bring, thinks I think he brings a lot of curiosity to the table because we really don't know a ton about him and what he will offer this Jacksonville Jaguars team. The Jags on a low-risk deal because it's just one year. They can get him off the books after 2018 if it doesn't work out. So that kind of sets the table for the offense. And some of the moves that were made here the last couple of days for the Jacksonville Jaguars, very, very interesting. We'll get to Alan Hearns in a moment, but I want to share the conversation we had with Marquise Lee. And you'll catch a couple of things in here. Very good friends with Alan Robinson. Uh, surprised to be back, and also thinks he fits well with this offense and with Blake Bortles. And he also addresses, at the very end of our interview, the one thing that he gets criticized for now. It used to be staying healthy, but now it's the drops. He had some critical drops in 2017. He knows it. He's going to try to fix it, and he talked about it. Here's my sit-down interview with Marquise Lee from Thursday afternoon. When you left here in late January, did you think you would ever be wearing the Jaguars uniform again? <laughs> in all honesty, no. Um, I didn't know what was going to go on. Um, um, my thought process is, if you kept A-Rob, um, and they had to figure something out, I would have to figure something out from that point on, um, which wasn't a problem. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I did what I need to do in order to, to get something out there in the free agency world, um, and um, it turned out well, though. When did this heat up that the idea was you could come back and be a Jacksonville Jaguar for potentially four more years? I was hearing it through the grapevine. Um, through the grapevine, my parents mentioned it to me here and there. Uh, once I got a little whiff that A-Rob uh, possibly wasn't coming back, I know it was a possibility that they would reach out and things like that. Um, but then 
once free agency opened up on Monday, um, it got mentioned to me. Then Tuesday, it really got mentioned as far as offers and things like that. So I know it's real. Did you have a say in this? I mean, in terms of wanting to come back, or did you, was it kind of just, hey, if we can get a deal done, we get a deal done, you leave it up to your agent? Um, for the most part, I left it up to my agent. You know what I'm saying? I didn't say much. I know when it came down to it, if if it depended on, like, same contracts and things like that, it depended on feeling and things like that. And, you know, I'm comfortable here as far as knowing everybody and with living situations and even people outside this building. You know, I got great relationships with people at my old building and things like that. Like, I felt that was important. That played a major part in my decision. Did you watch what was going on before that with Blake and the extension? And, and how did you feel when uh, that was the decision? You never really know when you leave here what's going to happen. Nah, I, I honestly left. Uh, I just, I really wasn't on TV. And when I did, I was actually playing Call of Duty with, with people. In all honesty, I tried to stay away from the, the football aspect. But I did get the alert. You do get those alerts on your phone, and I got the alert when Blake uh, got paid, and uh, and I hit him up, you know, and I responded. I said, hey, congratulations on getting paid. Um, make sure they pay you in big bucks and big bills is what I told him, and uh, he responded <laughs> and said, just appreciate it, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing what, what happened with you and things like that. So uh, at that point, I was just waiting. At the end of the day, the fact now that he's back, you've got a lot of these players back, a lot of your team is back, and now you get that continuity, at least, with the offensive coordinator, the coaching, the quarterback. How much does that help, rather than having to learn a place that's new, a quarterback that's new, a system that's new? Well, it's feel comfortable. I mean, it just makes you comfortable. Uh, we've been in a situation every year. We came in and switched up everything, including last year. Um, but now we got the opportunity to come in and use some of the same things in which we have been using and, uh, and execute and just get even better at it. Um, um, we got the opportunity to be better than we did last year, and um, and that's pretty much our focus from this point. You're still a young guy with a lot of talent. Do you feel like you're just kind of scratching the surface on yeah. where your career could end up? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I got a lot of potential left as far as I can do way better than what I'm doing. And um, and that's what I'm doing on this offseason, just to make sure I stay focused and focused on the things I need to focus on as far as just to make myself better as a person and as a football player. Um, and as a mentor, in this case, you know, for the young receivers. How surprised were you that Allen Robinson isn't back? Um, I was very surprised. You know, everybody knows the potential, uh, regardless of what type of injury he had. Um, I felt like, you know, that's been my best friend, though. You know, somebody I came in with, so I talked to pretty much every day. You know, so as far as me knowing him and knowing how much he had and what he can give for any team, um, I expect I thought he was going to be here in all honesty. but. You know, the surf, both parties talk, things don't match up. Um, A-Rob, you know, loved this place at the end of the day, but got to do it somewhere else. And, um, you know, we all happy for him. You know, I'm excited. I know he's going to do well. Um, but uh, it's, it's part of the business. You really sound like you got detached from everything after the season. But how much do you think about that AFC title game still? <laughs> It's sickening, you know, a lot of the um, being that close and uh, falling short. Um, yeah, you're happy that the fact that you made it, but then at the end of the day, to go that far um, and not make it all the way, um, it's kind of disturbing, especially when you know you got the potential when you have the team to actually get it done. Um, it's a long process for next year. You know, ain't no way we just hop back up and expect to be there again. We're going to have to work for it, but uh, we got the team to actually get it done. Last one for you. Um, the only problem or if you want to be picky about your game the last couple of years some drops yeah how much should those stick with you and what can you do to fix them um 
I didn't really add too many of my first three years. I think this last year I had a good amount. Um, I really don't think about them. Um, I know I had some of the significant games that kind of bothered me as far as it could have changed the outcome of certain games. Um, those stick with me, but as far as the other ones, they don't really stick with me and things like that. Um, I know I'm going to either make a play after that in order to get, forget about it or you just got to let it go. You know what I'm saying? You start thinking about things like that, you're going to tend to continue to have bad games and things like that. Like It's a part of the game. There's nobody in the NFL who came into the NFL and had no drops and went through the whole career without any drops. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got players out there who drop the least amount, but it happens. You know what I'm saying? I let everybody else on the outside stress out about that, not me. Congrats, man. Appreciate Good it. to have you back. You already know it. Likewise. Marquise Lee, since he's been here, has always been one of my favorite players. We've done a story on him uh, from his days and growing up in Inglewood, California. We went out to his home. Uh, in a long story short, which is not really a short way to tell this story, but man, did he have a tough upbringing. Uh, he grew up basically in a gang. At 12 years old, he was in a gang. His brothers were in the gangs. Uh, one brother went to prison for attempted murder and has just recently uh, got out. Another brother was killed in a gang uh, and I always have been enamored with Marquise he's got a tremendous smile uh, he's very humble he's very real and I always root for him and so I think this is pretty cool that the Jags are bringing him back and I think they might just be scratching the surface on Marquise Lee's potential uh, maybe it took a while to come around but Marquise Lee remember at one point at USC not only was he a Bolitnikoff winner, but he was also considered maybe a top 10 pick if he had come out that season. And he got injured in college, and then he dropped into the second round. And I don't think he found his stride until recently in the NFL. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I'm right, or at least I'm hopeful that I'm right, that he can really go up from here and earn every bit of that contract the Jaguars signed him to. One other note on wide receiver, Alan Hearns. What are the Jags going to do? That's interesting. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, he maybe he's been cut. Maybe they've worked on a renegotiation. He's due $7 million. There's no way Alan Hearns is playing for $7 million for the Jags in 2018. I just don't see it happening. But I'm not convinced they flat-out cut him. If you go back and look at some of Alan Hearns' numbers and we didn't tell you who the receiver was, I think you'd be surprised the numbers he's put up in the course of his career. I don't know if the Jags just want to let a guy like that go. Uh, but I'm not convinced they keep him either. We'll have to see on the whole restructure deal and uh, what he's willing to take or if he wants to test the market. There's uh, still a lot to take place, most likely, and, and they could be trying to trade him, too. I just don't think anybody's going to eat that contract for $7 million. But again, um, I may be out of date by the time you hear this podcast. Something may have already happened. The Jags get way better on offense. Bottom line for me, offense and special teams – uh, Hayden, they signed in the slot to replace Aaron Colvin. If you haven't heard a lot of the Aaron Colvin stuff, uh, simply Colvin wanted to come back and be a part of this thing. The Jags wanted him back. At the end of the day, I think Houston offered a little bit more money and probably the idea of playing outside, uh, although there's a lot of folks still wondering if he will just play nickel and he just likes playing nickel. He got kind of paid more like a nickel cornerback than a true outside guy. Uh, but he also is unproven on the outside, so that deal might have represented that. I think it's interesting because the Jags uh, don't appear like they were very far off from a dollar standpoint in bringing Aaron Colvin back. 
but uh, it doesn't happen. Good for AC, another good guy, another good football player. I think the Jags will miss him, but when they're so loaded on defense, you're going to lose players here and there. I think they can replace him, and let's see if Hayden, who's had stops in Oakland and also Detroit, can do the trick for the Jags. I think they'll be okay uh, in that role, but we'll have to see. Aaron Colvin on his way to Houston. He stays in the division. So special teams gets a boost with a couple of core players. We'll see how good they are. Uh, Offense gets a big boost. Two wide receivers, two tight ends, really one pass-catching tight end. The other guy's a special teamer in Niles Paul. And then a big offensive lineman in left guard Andrew Norwell, which will really help this Jags team going forward as they want to continue to run the football. Two things to keep an eye on now over the next couple of days or maybe in the draft. Chad Henney looks like he's out the door. The Jags do need a backup quarterback. Could be in the draft. It could be another veteran. We'll see what the Jags do. I'd be surprised if they go to camp without three quarterbacks. I think that will happen one way or another. We'll have to keep our eye on it. And also punter Brad Nortman. Uh, Many of us don't expect him to be around. We'll see what the Jags do with their punting situation. Uh, It's not usually a draftable position, but it could be a position that they sign a free agent off the street or later on, uh, always with the punters, you never really know. Uh, So again, offense pretty good. Special teams pretty good. Uh, Defense already good. (laughs) And we do have to mention one other thing, and we'll get into this a little bit more as the weeks go along, and there will be some special moments for this guy. Paul Puzzlesny retiring on Tuesday, kind of got buried beneath all this free agency news but what a salute to Paul Puzlozzi in an 11-year career. One of the best we've ever covered. Uh, been doing this for 18 years, been covering the NFL basically for all those 18 years, and one of the best by far we've ever covered. Uh, tremendous football player, tremendous man, tremendous locker room guy, uh, and we wish him the best with his family and, and whatever he pursues. 11 years in the NFL, a Pro Bowl, a lot of good years, and I think he played his best years down the stretch, which I always think is pretty neat stuff. The Jags take care of business and free agency. It'll be fun to watch. Now it's on to the owners' meetings in a couple weeks, and then after that, the NFL Draft, and the Jags have positioned themselves nicely for the 2018 NFL Draft. I don't know what they'll do at number 29, but I think it will still be offensive lineman potential. It could still be tight end potential. It still could be wide receiver potential. Pretty wide open, but it puts them in a spot to maybe just get best player available. And I don't care what position that's at. What if Derwin James were to slip all the way down to 29? Could they do it? I think now they have put put themselves in a position where they absolutely could do that if they wanted to. I don't think it's likely, but I'm just saying best player available could go on both sides of the football. Okay, let's talk some golf. And by the way, I can almost not make it through this podcast with the allergies. Gosh, cool, this allergy season ever ends. Maybe it's just I can't make it through a podcast without Dan Hicken. Maybe that's it. I highly doubt it. I think it's the allergies. Definitely the allergies. I wish these allergies would stop. All right, let's talk some golf. Hope you've been hitting the licks. All the local golf courses in great shape. But that's not why we're talking golf. We're talking golf because golf is in great shape. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Wow. I mean, this all the young guys. Golf right now feels like, at least in the last couple of decades, and it's had some unbelievable times, but we might be seeing it at one of its all-time peaks because you don't have the polarizing effect of maybe Mickelson and Tiger. If you like Mickelson, you didn't like Tiger. If you like Tiger, you probably didn't like Mickelson. You don't have that. Right now, there's this adoration for Mickelson who's 47 and just won. And now there's this almost sympathy slash please come back, Tiger, feel 
if you look at these galleries and everyone talking, it's like the whole world loves Tiger. Now, I know there's some that don't, but it's definitely not as polarizing as it was, say, back in the early 2000s. Very interesting to me. And so uh, you talk about the young guys, talk about the old guys, and don't forget about this old guy. Jim Furyk also making a bit of a comeback after injury. He's also the Ryder Cup captain for 2018, and he's coming off a nice tournament in Tampa last week. He's also coming off his own tournament, Furick and Friends. He hosted at Sawgrass Country Club during the week, and we got a chance to catch up with Jim on a variety of topics, including giving back to the Jacksonville area. Well, congratulations on the success of this. This has been fun to kind of watch grow. Um, not a surprise, but Furick and Friends, you've got a lot of friends. Uh, <laughs> we're blessed. We're blessed. So uh, we've had you know, folks flying in from all over the country. Uh, we've got such great support here from the community in Jacksonville. Really just couldn't thank, thank our community enough for all the support, the help to allow our foundation to thrive. And then to have so many celebrities, so many golf professionals uh, come off the PGA Tour from all walks of life, really, uh, to support us. I mean, that really kind of makes everything go. So uh, that's some wonderful sponsors and uh, just you know, I, I'm proud of Tabitha, to be honest with you. She makes she makes everything go around. We have Liz and Willow work for the foundation. Uh, wonderful gals. Uh, I went and played Valspar. I left for a week. Seven days later, I mean, it's all wrapped up. Beautiful party last night. Concert. Uh, golf tournament today. So uh, just just uh, really blessed and really proud of what they accomplished. Has your understanding of what you and Tabitha and the people around you mean to, to giving back to this community kind of changed over the years now that you've, you've always been very generous of your time and, and raising dollars, but it seems like this stuff continues to grow where it kind of changes the perspective a little bit on the power of your platform. Well, I, I think the, the whole idea is there was charities that were near and near to our heart in town and, and, and charities and foundations that we supported, but the idea of our foundation was was to kind of pool our community together, to pool those foundations together, to try to raise more money for everyone. And, um, you know, I, I guess it, it's kind of given us a platform and, you know, whether it was web.com, the web.com commercial, whether it was the Golf Channel Morning Drive, um, it, it's kind of given us an opportunity to grow. And, and uh, you know, no matter where you live, right? I, I mean, I love Northeast Florida, it's beautiful. We've lived here now for 21 years and it's home, but. You know, there's folks out there that, that need a little help, that need a little push, and and, and uh, everyone can kind of look in their own community that, you know, there's always people that are in need, that need help, that are good folks, that are that, that uh, need some help. And so, uh, you know, it, when we started raising our, our children here and our family, Northeast Florida, Jacksonville really became a home. This is this is where I'm from now, and, and uh, to be able to kind of reach out and help help our community uh, is really a proud moment for us. So uh, I'm proud of Tabitha, I'm proud of her work. Uh, she, she runs our foundation. She sits on a number of different boards here in town and one being you know, the Baptist Hospital. So uh, I'm proud of her and, and her guidance. And uh, you know, she's helped me be a better person as well. And, and uh, I've enjoyed the process and, and our foundation and it growing. And uh, when you get to meet the folks that you've touched and you've helped, it really makes it special and it makes you want to do more. This community appreciates it. I know. Let me ask you a couple of golf questions quick and let you go. Um, I know everybody else was watching some other guys around that leaderboard, but I noticed a heck of a number somebody else put up uh, uh, trying to make a comeback, too. That was quite a round yesterday for you. It had to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Of course, everyone was watching Tiger. I was watching Tiger. I mean, everyone, everyone's a fan of golf, and you want to see uh, how he's doing. His game looks solid. Um, 
and, and yeah, I'm kind of a little bit in the same boat. I had about six months off. I wasn't sure when I would start playing again. I was kind of got a, started a little quicker than I thought at LA and Honda and kind of built. You know, I missed a cut at LA by a couple shots. Played a solid event at Honda, finished 40th. But uh, yesterday's round, I mean, to kind of jump up from, say, a, you know, about 30th position and have a good solid round, finished seventh yesterday in the tournaments. A good feeling. I think uh, my game's coming around. I'm hitting the ball pretty well. I'm starting to, to putt the ball pretty good again. Uh, and really, I guess what I've lacked is, you know, everyone talks about reps. We're, I, I've lacked just really getting in the hunt, getting the juices flowing, seeing how my game would react under pressure. And uh, and with that's confidence. You know, the, the more rounds of golf you can play, you see a little of success, you can build on that confidence. Um, and I've been lacking that a little bit, to be honest with you. So. Uh, Yesterday to go out there and fire a 66 under the gun and, and have a good finish, it should build some of that confidence and hopefully uh, bring some more good stuff in the future. Coming back is hard. You can relate a little bit. I mean, how amazed are yeah. you what you've been able to do there and Tiger, what he did this weekend? I mean, it, it seems kind of soon to me. Like, I was, I'm surprised that you guys can just flip it that quick. Well, it, it doesn't always happen that way. And I, and I know uh, I see flashes and really good signs in my game, but I know there's some stuff I need to work on. I got to get a little bit more comfortable under, under the heat. I uh, made a couple of loose swings yesterday that, that uh, I was able to to kind of recover from with a couple up and downs. Um, but it's there. I mean, I mean Tiger Woods is never going to forget how to play golf, right? He was possibly the best ever. Uh, I know he's injured. His, his motivation is is there. I mean, he's he's hungry. Uh, if he's at fault right now, it's probably for trying too hard, right? You can see uh, he's grinding it out. But it, it's great to see him back. It's great to see him. Pretty healthy. He's creating a lot of speed in his golf swing. He's starting to look like the Tiger of old. His golf swing looks great. Uh, he's putting the ball well. But uh, first thing I notice when all of a sudden you get that club head speed up, I mean, he's got what back surgery, four back surgeries, a fusion, uh, but still creating you know high 120s and club head speed. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. So uh, nothing he ever does surprises me because he is the best that ever played. But uh, what I notice is the fact that he's healthy. He's happy. He's motivated. That's a uh, that's a good sign for golf. It's a good sign for him. You're the Ryder Cup captain. How are you handling all this, these duties from giving <laughs> back to trying to come back yeah. to now having your eye on guys that you're trying to pick and form a team to win it's once again? It's a question I answer each and every day. It's about the balance. How do you how do you balance playing golf? How do you balance being the captain? I mean, first and foremost, it's such an honor to be named the Ryder Cup captain. So. Uh, my mind is 100%. I was, I was asked at the Honda, weigh it 100%. What parts on the Ryder Cup, what parts on golf? And I was like, wow, that is the most unfair question I have ever been asked. Do you get So if I say 80% on the Ryder Cup, that means I'm not giving 100%, right? I said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm giving 100%. I'm going to give you like a yogiism. I'm giving like 100% on golf, and then I'm giving like, you know, 60, 75% to, or I'm sorry, 100% the Ryder Cup, 60, 75% to my golf. Meaning, I feel like I can balance the two, but if I have to make the choice, right? If I have to make the choice between one or the other, I'm going Ryder Cup because it's such an honor. And uh, I've got a team. I've got 12, 12 players that are relying on me as a captain to, to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to help them thrive. I've got great help and five vice captains. Three are already named, Tiger, Stricker, and Davis Love. Uh, I've got a great help from the PJ of America uh, and a wonderful staff there. But... Um, you know, it's my favorite event in golf. I love it. Um, always wanted to be the captain. I kind of took notes along the way. I was able to play in nine of those. I played for some 
unbelievable captains, and I'm trying to pick and choose the best moments from each and kind of wrap it all into uh, this event. But uh, it, it's it's been special. It's been a long process. I loved it. I'm gonna love the next you know six months leading up. It's amazing. I'm, I'm you know putting basically 18 to 20 months of work into three days. So it's it's hit me that it's all gonna be done in three days. But uh, we're gonna be prepared and and. Uh, Again, I really have to thank PJ of America. I have to thank Davis, Stricker, Tiger, um, just invaluable uh, knowledge. Uh, you know, their history, their knowledge, uh, everything they wrap into it is going to help a lot. And so I'm appreciative for, for what they bring. Always good to catch up with Jim Furyk and going to be very interesting to see what happens with Tiger Woods from Ryder Cup team uh, to FedEx standings to official World Golf rankings. You know, he's on a way up in so many different categories after this splendid month of golf where he was in contention just about every day when he played the last few weeks. Uh, good for Tiger Woods, 12 consecutive rounds of pretty good golf, if not really good golf, and now it's Masters time. Takes a couple weeks off. Augusta, here we come. And can golf, as I mentioned, be any better than it is right now? Phil Mickelson won recently. Tiger Woods looks like he's on the verge, and at the very least, he's back. Rory McIlroy, what a stretch run at Bay Hill. So maybe he is back. And then you talk about the young guns, some of the old guys that have won. Hendrick Stenson looked good at Bay Hill. Paul Casey recently won. I mean, this is going to be a fantastic Masters. Uh, I can't wait for it. We will be in Augusta for it, and it should be a buzz like we haven't felt around those grounds in quite some time. And then keep in mind, just down the road, the Players' Championship here in Jacksonville and Ponte Vedra, and uh, waiting for a Tiger commit to that event. We expect he will, but let's just hope he's playing that good of golf around the Players' time, too, because we know what that will do from a buzz standpoint at TPC Sawgrass. What a heck of a time to be alive and be a sports fan. March Madness, free agency, the Jags trying to build this thing and win right now. Golf's in a good place. Spring training is about done. I'm going to spring training this week, so we'll have some interviews hopefully from there. And the Major League Baseball season right around the corner. That's just to say the least. There's a lot more going on, but those are just a few examples. When we visit the next time, hopefully Dan Hicken will be back. If we get him off that suspension, I mean, just his vacation. It wasn't a suspension. No more Bachelor Talk. That's for sure. Hope you have a good week, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Action Sports Jacks Pile On Podcast with Brent Morton and a vacationing Dan Hicken absent this week. It's brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman. Hockey is back in Jacks. Have a great week.